0: From Relay FM, this is Download Episode 38, recorded Thursday, January 18, 2018. Dumbest idea ever. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snell. As always, I'm joined by two wonderful guests, fresh from, fresh is a strong word, from the Consumer (laughs) Electronics Show where they were last week. They are now trying to recover. First, it's Flo Ion from the Material Podcast here at Real AFM and many other places. Flo, hello. Welcome back.
1: Hi, Jason. I'm so tired, but oh, thank you man. for having me. This is good. I, I have to get it all out here, you know?
0: We're going to, this is going to be some like post CES. We're going to talk it out, little therapy. Yeah, we're going to talk it out. Talk, talk it through and we're going to feel good. And then we're going to be able to move on with our lives. Also here, also a CES veteran and now back and recovering from Engadget who, where he's a senior editor. It's Davindra Hardwar. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here
2: uh i'm glad you survived as well <laughs> yeah barely i mean we were also talking about maybe doing sundance which starts uh this week too and that's just like i told my editors
0: like uh, i don't know no that's, you can't survive that's that. yeah you would need they, you would need like a place um like a refuge in between ces and sundance where you could do nothing but sort of meditate if they want to spring for that, then I would say yes. But like
1: meditate know. or sit like a couch potato uh, yeah, well, in front of the TV, walking some, through Skyrim it's because it's, real life, something yeah. like that,
0: <laughs> something like that. Either way is fine. That's what I meant by meditating. By the way, is is, is couch potato? That's, <laughs> that's how that's I meditate. Meditation. Is I, I yes. turn on the TV
3: and, and sit in the couch. <laughs> exactly. Stephen Hackett is also here. Stephen and I didn't go to CES. Hi, Stephen. No, I've never been, and uh, I got to say, the two of you not really selling it to me. I, I don't feel. yeah i'm just saying at one point i made i made a very serious
0: career negotiation where my my main demand was don't make me go to ces so uh, i you know it's (laughs) i've been there um but we do have the most interesting stories as as steven and i have designated them for this week and topic number one of course is let's let's get into it let's talk about ces let's get our feelings out let's share our feelings both of you went to ces um I I thought we would start with just a little report about, like, what what did you, now that you've got a little distance between you and Vegas, what are the things that stick in your mind as, like, what CES 2018 was about, the big things about it? Flo, what about you?
1: The future is assistance, or the future is choosing an assistant. Because Mm -hmm. Mm. you're basically, I mean, so there were a lot. So this year, I went in on a slightly new beat, which is I'm transitioning slowly, but surely to kind of like smart home and seeing where this world is taking us because as an Android user, Google Assistant has become such a big part of my life. It controls um, everything, <laughs> everything in my house. It controls my schedule. It controls my entertainment. I use it for all these major facets of my tech life. And so seeing it sort of the way it was spreading at CES alongside uh, Amazon, Amazon's Alexa, mm-hmm. it's I mean, we're essentially coming to a crossroads where as consumers, we have to choose which system are we going to go with. Um, I think it's also worth noting that for Apple users, there's a lot of like home kit compatibility added, uh, to a lot of existing connected devices just to kind of like incentivize iOS users towards, look, there's a place for you here too. It's not <laughs> just for Google and Amazon. Um, and I, I kind of saw this, didn't see any Cortana, of course. I apologize to all the Microsofties out there, but... There was no Cortana. There was like uh, Kohler
2: smart bathroom stuff had Cortana in it, or Cortana integration or something. It did. It I thought really it was dumb. limited
1: to Alexa and Assistant. Uh, I missed that Cortana part. But see, yeah. that's how much I pay attention to Cortana, though, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, so yeah, I think it's just the world of assistants. It was put into all sorts of different scenarios, too, in the home. Like uh, Davindra just mentioned, Kohler had launched a whole ecosystem of connected bathroom devices, appliances are around this (laughs) um you know your toilet seats uh you know, heated toilet seats that are just, you know, you could control and say, hey, I'm going upstairs, make sure my seat's nice and warm, uh, <laughs> you know, faucets, um, the bathtubs so that you could have your bath fill up for you, you know, mm. so that right as you're walking in through the door from a long commute, you're just ready to go slip in with a good book, you know.
2: <laughs> That's actually pretty nice because uh, if, you, if you do take baths, taking the, you know, it takes a while to fill up the water, so... Yeah, nice and programmed for you can be nice. Yeah,
1: it is. It's and it's it kind of fits in with that futuristic idea that we had of our homes. And I would say it's this idea that I saw growing up as a kid in like kids' movies, where your house you could just voice command everything to the way that you want it. Um, you could voice command your toilet, your bath, your TV, your lights, and I am living that future now. <laughs>
0: So basically every consumer uh, electronics company has decided that the next way for them to sell uh, new versions of their products is with uh, smart assistant integration. And so uh, when you say it's make a choice, I mean, I guess that's that's part of it is um, if you've got stuff that's compatible with one and not another, or you've got to choose between compatibility. Some of them have compatibility with everything, but there is this race to get everything compatible because if you standardize on the Google Assistant, then mm-hmm. you might look at another product that is only offering Alexa integration and go, well, I, I literally can't buy that toilet because it's not compatible with my life.
1: Yes, but it's worth noting, I just want to add, and I was actually... It, this was cute, so you know, simple human. They make the cool modern trash cans. Um, they actually put voice command, <laughs> or rather, voice activation, in one of their new trash can models. Hmm. So that all you have to say is "open trash," and oh, it'll wow. open it for you. <laughs> See, I was, <laughs> and it doesn't. It doesn't need Alexa or anything. It just understands the phrase
2: i can't wait until we have a take out trash command just like get, get that bag throw it in the i bigger asked trash about can. that i, I said that. when
1: it, when are you going to yeah. take it out for me because this is not helping me with the thing i yeah. hate doing yeah. which is taking it out
0: yeah that's the next step is the integration where the robot butlers are integrated with all the smart devices and they know what to do Yeah. Um, although i i kind of when you said that there's a, a smart trash can I, I immediately thought of like an undo like actually I want that back. Can you pop that back out and have it like shoot the piece of paper back out at me or something? But I guess not. I guess we don't want trash ejection systems in mm, our mm-mm. trash cans. That's I I take it back. That seems like a bad idea.
1: Not where food is thrown away. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's gone. Once it's in once it's down below the rim, it's like goaltending in basketball. Once it's below the rim, it's trash then. Don't it's like I think there's a Seinfeld episode about that. Well, I, I do want to add to Smart Assistance, like
2: Google was especially thirsty mm-hmm. this year. Like there the, the signage monorail. was everywhere. It was on the monorails, <laughs> on the conference center. But also I was sitting in the sands just like chilling out and trying to write, and this uh, survey guy came up to me. And uh, it's just like a random survey. It's like, hey, you want to take this? I I said, sure. Uh, Turned out to be a survey about assistants. As I got deeper, deeper, it was like, how do you feel about Alexa, Siri, Cortana, uh, Google Assistant? As I got deeper, I started to see that this is a Google survey. Hmm. Like, they're they're trying really hard to see if we're (laughs) being impacted by... uh, all the assistant uh, marketing and everything they actually so by the end by the end they reveal the uh, first of all the title of the survey at the end is a uh, google ces survey mm. um but they are also offering free homes to people uh, too uh-huh. um it was like a raffle for homes so i just found that really interesting that even google doesn't really have a clue about their reach <laughs> to consumers and the survey people wouldn't tell me who did it but it was pretty obvious reading the copy Like like who was behind it. So that was fascinating. Also, this reach into the smart home. You know, we've been hearing about the smart home for years at CES. And I actually think, you know, the thing that we need in smart homes is the assistant, right? I don't want an app to control my lights. I want to, like, just say it out loud and have my lights go on and off. And I have that integration right now. So I think the tech companies are finally realizing that. We're seeing the future of TVs a little. Um, Samsung showed off their 146-inch micro LED TV thing is huge um and that was that was pretty fascinating too and then just the drive towards ai and self-driving and all of that stuff we've seen that for the past couple years at ces but uh you know nvidia showed off their self-driving uh module and that thing is tiny and it looks amazing and i cannot wait for my self driving car
0: right the cars there's a lot so so if i could break this down a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of smart home a lot of virtual like voice assistant kind of stuff and cars is another it seems like huge trend at ces so yeah so yeah. what what is it is it all is it all sort of like self-driving cars or is mm-hmm. it i know that there's a crossover here too right because there's also voice assistants in cars
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the tech of cars. I mean, I'm, I actually didn't, I want to let Devendra, I'm assuming saw more car stuff. I didn't, <laughs> but from what I read, uh, there was a lot of smart home stuff. For what I read about the cars, it was all about... It's all about the technology that sort of, like, drives the cars, mm-hmm. which includes mm-hmm. self-driving. Because, again, that's all based on an algorithm, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I
2: didn't... Honestly, I didn't see too much of the car stuff up close. It was just what I was hearing. And yeah. uh, in Gadget, we have a really great transportation reporter, Robbie. Uh, Roberto Baldwin. Go, go read his stuff. Ah, oh, yes. Um. Yeah, but he is... Like, we're seeing the cars get smarter with the systems, but also we're slowly getting... um. Yeah, even if we don't have full self-driving, we're getting more and more automated features built in. And then yeah, we are seeing like what we could imagine down the line uh, with like the new VW electric bug and things like that. Uh, self-driving, futuristic. Vehicles. That electric
1: bug! Oh it's my gosh, it's I want one yeah. so <laughs> badly. I just want to live in it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I just want to live in it and have it take me up and down the
2: West Coast. Exactly. That's it. And that's hopefully that's the future of transportation too, right? Like you'll take a road trip and you just kind of sit back and chill and maybe, like, work and commute um, while your car takes you wherever. And, uh, you know, on a convenience level, it's great. On a safety level, it'll be fantastic. So, so CS is becoming more of a car show, but I think it's about time because cars have been very much cloistered off into, like, Mm -hmm. really dumb tech for a
0: while. Yeah, it sounds like they're 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 creeping closer and closer. And CES is where we see. I mean, this is one of the things I tell people about CES is CES Mm -hmm. is not about today as much as it is sort of like where everybody thinks uh, consumer electronics is going because a lot of the products aren't shipping and it's going to be a while. We did get a a nice uh, email from a listener, uh, listener Sam, we'll say, uh, who pointed out who who whose signature says Detroit in it. So I'm. I'm thinking he has some knowledge of the car industry pointing out that <laughs> actually it's this very interesting fragmentation of voice control in cars right now, where you've got like yes. the dumb voice assistants that like my mom's car has a dumb voice assistant where it right. will listen to names. It'll parse names and you can say, call this name and it's, it's not, it's not Siri or Alexa. It is some really <laughs> dumb version of it. And then when we start to talk right. about, about assistant connect connections in the car there are a bunch of different meanings for that like there are some things where it is you have an alexa skill at home that lets you say turn on the heater in the car and then it uses the car's cellular connection to pick that up and turn the heater on then Mm -hmm. separately you can have like a cellular connection that goes out or ties to your phone that lets you actually use the car uh, microphones to issue uh smart assistant commands but it's all still like in pieces which is um you know it's I, I like that they're pushing that direction but it's not it's not like complete in- integration where your car just becomes a Google assistant or becomes uh, an Amazon echo it, it's it's all like uh, fragmented in that way so I, I think there's a lot more work it looks like to be done on the on the assistant side in the car
1: you Man. can put alexa in your car if you get uh, garmin <laughs> ha- announced it has this little um dongle that goes into your accessory port which is what they call it in the car it's no longer called a a lighter? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, so it goes in there and it adds Alexa to your car and it integrates, or rather it syncs up with your phone. Um, but from what I understand, it's being mostly marketed to Apple users because uh, Android already has this free Android Auto. You can use your mm-hmm. phone with voice command. It's Google Assistant. It actually works really well. I use it every time I get into my car. Um it actually acts as a sort of, like, liaison for anybody who might not want to kind of deal with, like, any sort of, you know, built-in uh, system in their car. Or maybe they don't want to, you know, get a big thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's definitely early days for all these assistant things in cars, too. Like, we the, I think yesterday there was a report about BMW moving to an annual subscription plan oh, yeah. for CarPlay, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow, insane. that's not
1: consumer-friendly.
2: Not at all. So I think just from this initial reaction, hopefully that'll get tweaked. But man, that is super dumb, but maybe others will follow if that works out for them.
1: I feel like I really want to tell people about how to get the sort of functionality in their car with all of the fancy stuff, without all of the fancy stuff built into the actual car. Because the phone is becoming this... The phone is the gateway to everything now. It's the, it's the part of you, the extension of you that you sort of clip into every other little piece of technology in the world. Right. And that's how it sort of extends out. And I like that idea for my car, which is why I adopted this Android Auto thing, um, which is why I leaned in fully. To it. I got the whole thing set up in my car. I like that idea. I don't like the fact that it feels like the car companies sort of show up to CES. They show up with this idea of technology <laughs> and it, it's not at all in line with what the rest of us are doing. <laughs> and that makes it very confusing for the consumer and they don't know. And then they get upsold on all this yeah. stuff when they go to the dealerships and they sell them. I was like, oh, we have a fancy computer system for you that you can add on. You don't even have to worry about it, but they already paid for that stuff on their phone.
0: Yeah, the economics mm-hmm. of... Um like the car business model and new car makers and and it, it's so complicated and weird and it does feel really old and not, I mean, okay, forgive me for saying this, but not yet as disrupted by technology as mm-hmm. as maybe it <laughs> it will be someday. And let's not forget, you know, people keep their cars along old, like what the average, the average car is a lot of money. Is, is seven <laughs> right. seven years old or something like that. I mean, so in terms of tech, you have most cars that are out there are not going to be running the latest Cutting edge stuff, and 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 those people aren't going to get a new car probably for a while. So having you know ways to get your tech, you've got a smartphone that's in your car. Like the, how to get that to work better is going to be the the reality for you know, another, another decade, uh, although it is fascinating to see how it all starts up at the high end with the luxury cars and it just kind of like eventually pushes down. But I also have, uh, have, uh, pondered the idea that you would pay a month or an annual subscription, uh, to just be allowed to use CarPlay on your dashboard. That's amazing. But then again, Tesla ships cars with bigger batteries and having some of the capacity locked out until you pay them more which also seems completely wow. bananas definitely yeah <laughs> pay so. as you go car <laughs> like like well the battery only gets you 200 miles but there's actually 250 miles of battery in there but it's an in-app purchase mm. what uh, anyway uh, Yeah what, So what other uh, Any other topics at CES That, that come to mind That, that seemed uh, Seemed trendy Or interesting uh, Beyond uh, cars and assistants or were-
2: and, and there were robots But they were really dumb So mm-hmm. I said, like, Did you I see
0: think. the robot suitcase That fell over in the parking lot A bunch of times And then ran away From the reporter That was <laughs> oh, amazing man. Come I, back suitcase Come
2: back I did not see that But that does I mean that, the idea of that suitcase Sounds like the dumbest idea ever um, <laughs> LG at their press conference um I feel really bad. One of their marketing guys was on stage trying to like communicate with this robot and some assistants. It was just not listening to him. Um, so yeah, we're clearly very early days there. Um I'm reminded of like Asus's uh, Zenbo, which was also a pretty basically a moving teleconference machine. That's kind of all it was. We're still there. And we're not getting to anything better yet, but, uh, you know, they're trying. They want robots in homes because it's another thing they can
0: sell us right. and add subscriptions to. Yeah. Flo, any other, any other f- trends that you noticed that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Yeah, I was just, I mean, saying that I was there for the smart home is such like a general t- thing <laughs> because smart home is such a giant, I mean, it really is a giant category. Uh, but I have to say, just on the consumer side... It really is about the DIY security cams oh, yeah. um, that oh, there's yeah. mm-hmm. so many ecosystems now that you can pull from. Netgear has an ecosystem nest. It wasn't exhibiting, but it has its own ecosystem ring announced some more additions to it. It's security ecosystem. Um, Oh my gosh, there were so many. I'm starting to lose count. Honeywell. All these, Mm -hmm. all these companies are coming in with their idea of security and adding this extra layer to your home. Um, and I am just sort of concerned about that because, uh, you know, cameras are. Cameras are quite a bit of a liability to have mm-hmm. in your home, especially when you're paying a company to back up cloud data so that it can read the faces of the people coming in and out of your house.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, but you can see you can see that they smell money there because there's whatever the size of the existing home security market is, and then the thought that you could build, you could you could take that money by building from the ground up with consumer you know consumer tech instead of it it being the security guys come to your house and install all the things. I, I get why they're chasing that market because. There's potentially a lot of money there, although I do wonder sometimes about the practicality of a home security system that you build yourself and whether it will actually do anything. Or <laughs> well,
1: that's why companies like ADT in mm-hmm. America are very much you know they're building their own ecosystems and sure. they're offering like a smaller service. So basically, you're paying for uh, the dispatch service, and um, I think what worries me, and this is just <laughs> this is going more of to like a societal thing, but. I I think what worries me is the fact that we're talking so much about DIY security now. Nest has sort of like normalized it. Ring mm-hmm. has kind of normalized it too. It is an idea out there in the fold. Um, and you'll see these displays when you go into a Lowe's or a Home Depot, but we're not looking at the fact that like not every city responds to house alarms and um dispatch in some areas will be like a hundred miles away from where everything is like there's all these sorts of things that are not being addressed and i feel like the way it's being sold to consumers like we'll keep you safe i don't want people to think that's all they need (laughs) right i guess is what i'm saying um so that's my PSA. I'm that turned into a PSA.
0: <laughs> the more you
2: know. I mean certainly better than the smart lock trend, which I'm, oh, I'm not, not a fan even of going there. All. Not going mm, yeah. there
1: at all. Yep. <laughs> Keys are bust, okay?
0: <laughs> the smart I the smart lock thing, and of course, I think we had a, as a story here a week or two ago about how the, the one of the big smart lock companies got all the way to about ready to ship and then realized they didn't have the money and just said we're <laughs> we're out of business now. Um, which is good because that would have been presumably at least to a certain degree a cloud backed service that would no- not exist anymore. What happens mm-hmm. if your locks cloud service goes away? I guess presumably there's also still a, a keyhole or a button or something. But sometimes I don't I don't I don't know I don't know. I'm not opposed to the idea of smart locks, but I'm opposed to all the smart locks I've seen so far. So <laughs> yeah. you know it seems like my, my my lock is really stupid, and so every now and then I have to lock my door when I go out. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't automatically lock because uh-huh. it's got a deadbolt on it. And I, every now and then, I think this could be smarter than it is. Uh, but that's about as far as it goes. I, I, I'm not.
1: I will say just very quickly. Quickset actually showed off a new lock where it is a physical lock that you stick keys into, um, but then it reads your phone. So once you get within proximity with your exact phone, then it will unlock the ah, door, so you, knowing it's you. Mm-hmm. I like
0: that. That's about yeah. smart enough.
1: So th- things are coming. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Um, I want to talk about some other stuff beyond CES. So we'll move on and do that. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor on this episode of Download. It's Squarespace. Enter offer code download FM at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Now, you should make your next move on the web with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for whatever your next idea is. You can get a unique domain. You can use their award winning templates. Uh, so you don't have to design the site yourself. They've got a lot of great looking templates that will make your site look really good. Whether you want to create an online store and sell your wares on the internet, create a portfolio to show off your work, create a blog so that everybody can read your words, pretty much anything you can think of if you want to place for it on the web, Squarespace will do it for you. It is an all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about, no upgrades. You don't need to worry about getting messages saying you need to upgrade the kernel and reboot in order to solve this. The security problem squarespace handles all of that all you have to worry about is your content on your site they have award-winning 24 7 customer support so if you need any help you will be able to get it even if you're up at four in the morning and uh, pulling your hair out they get you uh, they let you quickly and easily grab a domain name so you don't have to have sort of a long strange domain name for your site it can be whatever dot 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 science whatever it is. And uh, all of these award-winning templates that they offer, beautifully designed so you can show off your great ideas without being a designer yourself. Plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by just going to squarespace.com and signing up. And when you do decide to sign up and pay, it's 10% off for your first purchase if you use the code DOWNLOADFM. And you will show them your support for download. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting download and all of Relay FM Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.
1: I have a reminder for Florence.
0: I heard an assistant talking in the background.
1: I'm sorry about I am the worst <laughs> podcast guest today. Yeah. I-
2: Special
0: <laughs> guest star, the
2: Google assistant. We need a quiet assistant like command for the entire house. Just like shut up, guys. Come on. I-
1: so, actually, that was my reminder that Quiet tickets go on sale in half an hour.
2: <laughs> wow. So good. Child of the 90s, you are indeed.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: And,
1: and yet using
0: a voice good, assistant though. to tell you
1: that. <laughs> That's where we're at, yeah. people.
0: <laughs> I, uh, amazing. So let's move on. Topic number two. Facebook announced in a uh, blog post, basically, that they're changing how the news feed works, promoting posts that generate discussions over those that are just passively consumed. These changes are expected to hurt publishers who have flocked to Facebook's video platform or flocked pivoted, something like that. They're, this isn't <laughs> a surefire way to help defeat the fake news and hoax stories that spread across the site in the last election cycle, as many of those posts worship by individuals who believe them to be true. It isn't going to solve filter bubbles either. The phenomenon of surrounding ourselves with people and stories that reinforce what we already believe. Either way, Mark Zuckerberg admits this may mean people spend less time on Facebook. We feel a responsibility to make sure our services aren't just fun to use, but good for people's well-being, Mark Zuckerberg said in a post on Facebook. So, Facebook changes the rules again. This is a little (laughs) bit like when Google changes the search engine rules. Suddenly, everybody Uh out there who's a public publisher goes oh no uh and then tries to figure out what to go where to go next what do you two think about this um are are facebook users going to even notice that this happens and and does it matter to them at all
2: i mean most users probably won't notice um because what their experience right is tailored to how they're already using facebook um i feel like i just can't fully say either because i go to facebook so rarely that every time i go there what i see is just like a completely random assortment of things. i can't make sense of any of it um but yeah yeah as far as publishers go i mean have we not learned our lessons yet like don't don't build your business around facebook they will burn you
0: Ah, oh, but it's so the sweet sweet facebook traffic but you're absolutely <laughs> right i mean that's how they that's how they get you but they will change mm-hmm. the rules google the same way right where everybody builds a huge search right. engine optimization business on their media business and then google changes the rules and says oh we don't like content farms anymore and that business is gone mm-hmm. that's over right but, like, but at
2: least like that i think google had more of an awareness that okay what we're doing affects the entire web and we have to be careful about it and this and facebook was always concerned about its own thing and i don't think they really realized their influence until these elections Hmm. and that's part of these Mm -hmm. changes right now
1: yeah Mm -hmm. that's hitting the nail on the head this is why because you know there was there was bad press with the fact that facebook may have circulated some really badly sourced news out there um or news that was you know faked um, <laughs> so from speak. from a factory uh of sorts and i think this is just sort of a response to that i think um it's a way to try and bring back facebook to its roots which Frankly, I want it to go back to its roots because in college, uh, you know, I was part of the generation that started Facebook because I was, you know, on Facebook with my college email. And <laughs> back then, being a commuter, like it was very important for me to have that community online because that was the way that I met people. That's how I interface with classmates. And I tried to keep that going with Facebook as I got older. I tried to have it be this sort of portal to my literal Real world social network. Um, but then it all kind of degraded and part of that degradation happened when publishers kind of came in and started posting a lot of content to it. Now I just see a lot of like reposting of things that I've already seen like three or four days ago or just like really badly made memes or videos that are just like, it's just a mess and it's kind of ugly. Like I don't like the UI. It's become very busy. It looks like. Facebook now looks like the classified section of a newspaper versus like a nice, you know, Bauhaus magazine layout with like, you know, minimal columns, just like easy to like, that's what I want to read. And so me in my own personal life, I've shifted away from Facebook as a social network. And I pretty much just check in whenever somebody invites me to something. And which, by the way, I made it so that I get a google notification whenever <laughs> i get invited on facebook just so i don't miss it
2: <laughs> that's a good call actually i miss
0: those all the time
1: yeah know? i feel i feel bad i stopped showing up to things People were like what happened to you i was like sorry
0: <laughs> just don't have
1: check facebook anymore what
0: about this idea of of uh prioritizing engagement on one level i i get what facebook is saying here which is this is about the people who use facebook and we want to stop you know turning facebook into a newsreader. like i i get that i think that mm-hmm. and i think that's probably a good thing that at some point facebook publishers so embrace facebook that you ended up liking a bunch of publishers pages and then your facebook feed became just stories from publishers instead of like the people that you are on facebook to connect with but i i i do get, get some pause from the idea that what you're going to see is stories that promote engagement because Because one way to describe engagement is people arguing about something that's very polarizing. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that seems that that seems dangerous. Like, it seems like it's potentially prioritizing the wrong kind of stuff where people are really angry
1: and yelling at each other. And that's why I'm not on Facebook anymore, because I was (laughs) I mean, honestly, I'm tired of seeing people fight and it's. I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't.
2: <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, also because I think uh, we were the type of folks that spend more time on uh, Twitter. And mm-hmm. there's, the fights there are at least a little more fun and it's so fast flowing. <laughs> Facebook, gets a little different because you probably know most of these people directly, yeah. too. Um I, honestly, the most controversial posts that pop up in my feed just make me want to unfollow that particular friend it's like i haven 't seen you since college i you don 't need to be in my life go away
0: yeah, so, yeah. The, the facebook you know. phenomenon that that kills me is the second level facebook uh user where it's like somebody i know posts something and then in a comment to that somebody they know who i don't know says something completely ridiculous and i'm like do i really want to pick a fight with Mm -hmm. my friend's friend or relative who's an idiot um (laughs) no but at the same time someone is wrong on the internet right so you you, you have to fight that
1: So basically, it sounds like Facebook maybe needs to focus on the communities that it is fostering in this online space. Um, And rather than looking at engagement, I think it needs to look at the communities. I I will say one particular thing I still use Facebook for is for... So I live in a relatively small town. um, And I mean, relatively for the Bay Area, it's a small town and, um, you know... Facebook is a way that we all kind of keep in contact with what's going on in this little town. And I appreciate that community, that it exists. It's a little bit um, more curated than Nextdoor, for instance, because there is a moderator there. So it makes that person make sure that only the good stuff is being posted, only the helpful stuff, um, only the sincere stuff, which really helps foster that sense of community. And I will say that through that little Facebook community, I have felt more at home. Being here mm-hmm. in this little town So there are good ways that Facebook Can exist in our lives I just feel like the company Doesn't really know what to do with it Now that it's like It's been past a decade right That we've had this almost a decade that we've had this yeah. In our lives yeah. and I feel like now They're trying to figure out how to Exist in this world this online World in the new online world <laughs> <laughs> Where we, we Everybody knows it's evil and awful <laughs> So it's no longer just like a dirty mm-hmm. secret.
2: Like they have been avoiding like human editorial and moderation for so long and they yeah. think the move away from news is them realizing like, "Oh man, uh media's tough and we yeah. definitely don't want to be a media <laughs> company even though we seem to be turning into one." Uh but even if they go backwards a little and focus more on community, yeah, you got to get moderators in there. You got to give people the tools to kind of stop harassment and things like that. So It doesn't solve their problem. I do hope they invest more in human... Uh, help in moderation. Invest in humans.
0: More humans. Yeah. (laughs) This is a a thing I think we've talked about on this show before, too, which is any of these tech companies that have global ambitions or global scale in the case of Google and Facebook, like they've got global scale and incredible influence and they're tech companies, which means they their feeling Mm -hmm. is that everything is solved via, you know, or can be solved via an algorithm or via machine learning. And I don't think that's true like I yeah, I, I yeah. just people at some point I think people are the ones who have to judge this stuff and this looks to me I mean you said it th- this looks to me like Facebook being like oh yeah um, those media companies are trying to manipulate this we're going to back off but at some point, I'm not convinced that you can't just you have to have a human being or human beings involved to say no. And this is the same issue that like YouTube has with approving videos where mm-hmm. they, they've they suddenly made a move to every premium level monetized video is going to have to be approved by a human being. Well, can you imagine how many human beings they are going to have to hire to do that? But I and and I guess my point is a lot of tech companies seem reluctant to get human beings involved because there's just a core belief in there in in, in everything they do that it can be solved by writing some code. And I yeah. don't think it can. I think in the end, Facebook is going to have to do what Google is starting to do, which is, oh, it turns out we are a huge company Who needs to hire a huge number of employees to moderate or, you know, and and approve and filter uh, because the computers aren't going to be able to do it because they're all going to be gamed.
2: Yeah. The the story of all these tech platforms is basically an issue of that. uh, What's that? Oh, no. Comic. Oh yeah. Webcomic.name. Like.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's what it feels like. Let's, let's build the greatest social network ever. That'll encompass the
0: entire world. Oh no.
2: <laughs> we have to moderate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as somebody who moderated, yeah. you know, forums in like yeah. in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, when Google and Facebook come in and say, Oh, we're just going to open this up and it's just going to be everything. Anything goes for everyone. I thought that's not going to work. I've seen what happens in unmoderated forums. i I remember yeah. Usenet. like it's not going to go well, everybody. <laughs> and it, uh, it it didn't. So, surprise. Uh, maybe we'll get there. I don't know. I do like... I will say this. As much as I feel for the publishers, whose businesses are once again overthrown by changes from this... You know, their cruel, unfeeling overlords at <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I, I like the idea of Facebook saying, this is really... We're not here to enable a publisher's business model. We're here for our users. Um, ultimately, you know, it is a little bit self-serving too. But I do... If they're going to prioritize publishing partners or the people who use Facebook prioritizing the people who use Facebook is the right choice, right? Like yeah. that's, yeah. Th- th- those are your customers. If Especially if
1: is. it's what a billion people, nearly a billion people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of people.
3: <laughs> Steven, did you want to jump in here? I heard you earlier and then you went away. I'm just, uh, I agree with all of you about Facebook and I think my use of it has, sl- it was slowing down and then last year just fell off a cliff yeah. and, uh, You know, I've got a couple groups that I'm a part of that I check in on, but I don't know, like this is not enough to to win me back. I just, I've just moved on. And, um, you know, I think if, if they want to surface things that have more comments on them, then the few people that have made it through my complex set of muting filters on Facebook, they'll be weeded (laughs) out and I can banish them as well. And, uh, and we'll all just move on to whatever's after Twitter. I feel like Slack
1: is the new social network. I have all these little... (laughs) Well, maybe for me it is. I just have all these little pockets of like... I mean, yes, I have my workspaces, but then I have some social spaces too on Slack that I really appreciate, so...
2: Yeah, social Slacks have definitely popped up. I just... I, that that noise like i have the pavlovian response to the slack alert, See, I'm that's like, why
1: you gotta put you got you have to change the sound for yeah, the social gotta, ones which is what i did yeah. <laughs> yep. right, right right or just turn I off it's all just the another sounds.
2: sound that i hate like it's yeah it's just another thing that makes me i don't know i turned uh, off uh, all the sounds on stuff. slack
0: but i do love slack is slack is the, mm-hmm. uh definitely a refuge in some ways because you can you you, you have better control over the, it's people Most you know definitely
2: right it's like it's like a really good forum tool yeah basically that's yeah. basically it uh, what, quick quick thing about Facebook. Um, We have seen a lot of criticism, right? I think tech people, uh, tech commentators have seen like where this was headed. And it's as if the company just didn't want to pay attention for years. I remember saying like it did seem as if, um, you know, Facebook was building its own like private Internet. And there's a certain power to that and a certain influence to that that they just didn't acknowledge. And years ago, we were saying that. And now I think they're finally beginning to see it. So I wonder if like this whole thing about uh, Zuckerberg saying like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay more attention this year. Uh, We were all joking like, oh, yeah, he's decided to do his job. (laughs) I wonder if this is all a part of it, like him actually paying attention to the things everyone has been saying about Facebook for so long. Yeah, that's what it feels
0: like, honestly. All let right, right, uh, we're going to move on and talk about one more topic. But before we do that, we have one more sponsor. See how this works? This episode <laughs> of Download also brought to you by Simple Contacts. That's pretty great when an app takes a tiresome task and makes it fuss-free. Simple Contacts does this by making it super easy to renew your contact lens prescription and order a new set of contacts. You can reorder your contacts anywhere in just a few minutes. All you need to do is compete complete the online self-guided vision test takes less than five minutes from wherever you are right now no more doctor's offices no more waiting rooms just to get a refill you can order your favorite contract contacts right from the website or the app they offer all the lens brands you love they they had my super weird uh lens brand it's got options for astigmatism which i have multifocal lenses colored lenses a whole lot more you can order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand whenever you want the vision test is twenty dollars just for for comparison, an appointment without insurance could cost you $200. Simple contacts can save you money and time. It is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. That's not what this is, but it is a way for you to get a refill on your contact lenses quickly
3: and easily. Stephen, you took this for a spin, right? I did. It, it's one of those moments of like, oh, of course my iPhone should be able to do this. You just sort of set it up and, and it tells you how far back to walk and walks you through the exam exam. It's, it was really uh, pretty amazing. You know, you go in to take a vision test, and it's like a poster, you know, push pin to a wall in an eye doctor's office. And, uh, it is pretty sweet to have it right on your phone
0: yeah they just want to make sure that you're that you aren't having any ongoing vision problems that that uh they they want people who have uh good good eye health um are seeing their doctor periodically for that full eye health exam and just want to have a uh, an easy reorder and uh, so they check you out make sure you're okay and then they have sort of everything including i was uh, shocked like i said that they had my exact prescription but they did um and if you're not you know Know, if you're if you've got something that's going on that's a little bit weird they're like no 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 we're not gonna we're not gonna take you down this path you need to see your doctor which is I think very nice and safe um go to simplecontacts.com slash download you can enter download at checkout and get thirty dollars off your contact lenses that's simplecontacts.com slash download or just use the code download for thirty dollars off thank you to simple contacts for their support of download Time for the story you might have missed, something that flew under the radar but might be worth mentioning. Uh, last year, Apple and LG had to revamp their ultrafine monitors after it came out that placing one too close to a wireless access point would lead to problems. It turns out, Stephen, Wi-Fi, it's hard hard to
3: do.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Google has now learned this lesson about the cruel master that is Wi-Fi. I'm going to read from Google's new support document. In certain situations, a bug in the cast software on Android phones may incorrectly send a large amount of network traffic, which can slow down or temporarily impact Wi-Fi networks. <laughs> the specific impact to the network will vary depending on the router. Now, updates are rolling out today that address this issue, but it is another example, I think we're collecting a list now, of of things that tech companies want you to feel is super easy. Like, oh, I just press this and everything works. Whereas behind the scenes, it's incredibly complicated. (laughs) And every now and then something happens, you're like, oh, I just killed my Wi-Fi network. (laughs) (laughs) it happens it happens i just i have a, a new imac pro and i have a gigabit ethernet network and it's capable of it's it, it's capable of 10 gigabit ethernet i plugged in my ethernet network and it's only happened to me once but i i did a, a file copy over the gigabit network to another computer in my office here and it was going really fast and then the entire network died and it was one <laughs> of those moments where, where i legitimately think it was just it flooded the network with data and the network was like nope Nope. Nope. That's too oh, much. Man.
1: So this happens to me every single day. And it has <laughs> oh, been no. happening to me every single day since the holidays. Um I would often wake up to the Google Homes being, having been, you know, logged off of any connection for some reason. Like it couldn't find Wi-Fi. So I'd have to reset it in the morning and then I would have to repair it with my Google Home app on my phone. And so I was doing this for a couple of weeks. Eventually, I don't know what happened, but now that's somehow uh, transitioned over to the Chromecasts. So now what happens is when I watch YouTube TV, uh, every time I'm streaming in between the show, no matter what I'm watching, there there will be a slight pause because it's almost as if the network is like or recalibrating or something of the sort, like trying to figure out what it is that is happening. Oh, that's right. I'm I'm casting YouTube TV right now uh, from an Android phone to the Chromecast in the living room. I'm assuming this is what's going on, but it's been nonstop annoyance here yeah. at the Flow Ion household uh, with <laughs> all of these IoT things. And uh, to add to add insult to injury, I suppose I'm also using the Google Wi-Fi Mesh network. Oh, <laughs> so it's like so it's like really.
2: <laughs> I think I see the common thread to all of your problems, Flow. And that this is the with second.
1: It, well, this is the second. <laughs> so um, before I was using the Samsung Connect mesh Wi-Fi network because I was testing all the Samsung smart Uh things for a while Um, but then I thought maybe it was that system that was causing this but it turns out this is a known issue that's been existing (laughs) and I yeah (laughs) So it's oh. been really annoying here.
2: But I guess also another example of like Google's uh, journey into becoming a uh, consumer electronics company. And that was kind of all of last year, right? Like with yeah. all these speakers and all these things. Um, you know, Cast is amazing when it works. Uh, but yeah, this stuff is hard. And I've seen the sort of thing fail on me. Like, I love uh, Spotify Connect. But that feature sometimes just oh like my goes, gosh. goes all over the place um, because it relies entirely on Wi-Fi. So Google's not alone in this. Um, It's just the sort of thing where, yeah, if if they want to sell you something easy, it turns out there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. It's extra frustrating when it doesn't work because then you're used to it being like, oh, I just hit this button and it goes. Uh, No, it turns out it's not that way always. And that's extra frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's not as easy as it looks. That's the mm-hmm. that's the truth. When we talked about the Apple battery stuff, it's the same thing. It's Like batteries, you know, everybody wants them to be a black box, like like a, a gas tank that you fill and, and empty and fill and empty, and it's, it doesn't work that way. But it's easier right. to explain it to consumers that way. Wi Fi is the same way. Oh, you just plug it in, it works, and it's great. And it's like, well, no, there's lots of radios and there's <laughs> like interference and there, there's you know, it's complex networking stuff, and um, nobody wants to hear that. So then something right. like this happens, and you're reminded. Oh yeah. It is actually amazing that we have this. I, I remember when mm. I had a fifty foot long Ethernet cable snaking down <laughs> my hallway in my house because I wanted to use Internet in the front room. Oh, oh I wow. loved
1: that. I that see those were the days. And the, were the thing is Yeah, when you
0: trip over the cable yeah. in the hallway in the morning. Those were the days. Boy. Uh, I
2: Whoa. had one of the first Wi Fi routers at my college. And that was oh, fun sweet So we didn't deploy Wi-Fi throughout everything. It was a was whole thing. And I was like hiding from it because they, they found the thing broadcasting. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, it, pirate you know, radio. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I could sit outside on the quad and like still be online. It was amazing. Um, I do think like similar Future. to the Apple battery uh, replacement thing, by the way, like uh, just making people aware that every two or three years, you may actually want to get that battery re- replaced. Uh, we may need to do this for routers because router tech is changing so quickly, right. and these new devices are using you know our network so much. Like, man, I, I upgraded last year and it made a huge difference. And I'm a tech person, and I, I should realize that. But even that's not qu- always conveyed that we should be upgrading often or. More
1: it is often. absolutely not. We are not. I feel like I need. We and by I mean a collective mm-hmm. like media. We uh, I feel like I need to do a better job of communicating to people, especially now that I'm. That I'm playing with these things more and more than I'm writing about them. I'm mm-hmm. adding all these things to my Wi Fi network and it is not working out over here. We are, <laughs> we are definitely getting a, a bit of a gridlock going on here. And, um, my ISP does not like me <laughs> because there's, there's a lot of traffic going on here at Casa Flow. And, um, and I think that's something that I need to do better about communicating mm-hmm. to people is that if this is something you're really excited to adopt because it's super fun. I love being able to just control everything in my house and pretend I live in the Jetsons. This is the future, people. But our routers and our mesh Wi-Fi networks and our houses, you know, we're not built for all this tech. And so, um, you know, I'm figuring mm-hmm. it out as I go along, too, yeah. in all a-, honesty. a lot of
2: this may be up to the ISPs, too, because mo- I-, I figure most consumers just use whatever their ISP gives them. And sometimes that is the integrated cable modem slash Wi-Fi oh, router. Yeah. And sometimes it's a separate thing. Uh, But I, I think they're also noticing that, oh, man, people people need a little more and we could just put in a separate box, just including a separate box in addition to a modem uh, can help out mm-hmm. a lot of people, networking
1: so. is so yeah. scary, though. To ev- mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was scary to me. Um, I was so I had the I had the privilege of being the person that people asked for help in college for you know setting up wi-fi and things like that but that was not easy like i just remember sitting on the floor just being so annoyed that nothing was connecting and i didn't understand what was going on and i'm just yelling and my roommate's like what are you yelling about i'm like i'm trying to get you internet here Um, (laughs) but yeah it's it's not a consumer friendly thing even though the it's being positioned as a consumer friendly thing to do, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, hey, bring light bulbs into your house. But by the way, that whole networking thing, oh yeah, we're not gonna help you with that.
2: <laughs> for sure, for sure. And you know, us geeks, like I, I I know a lot of people make fun of like Netgears, Nighthawk routers and those those fancy shark looking things. But man, I, I got one of those last year and it has helped so much. You you need all those antennas. You need you need everything.
1: I know, I'm thinking about that too. I'm thinking, I, I just, I thought the mesh Wi Fi router would fix it, uh, network would fix everything, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm playing too. We're all just playing because there's no <laughs> like clear trajectory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're all trying different stuff out. I, I switched to a mesh network to Eero, which is a, sometimes a sponsor on these podcasts. Yeah. And um, and that's filled in all sorts of weird gaps in my network that were happening before where I was I had two routers and they were on the same base station, but the handoffs would break sometimes. So if you're walking mm-hmm. from the front of the house to the back of the house, my house yep. is very small, by the way, but still, um, <laughs> you just have this moment of like, oh, no, I shouldn't ever be streaming something while walking from one room yeah. to another because the handoff breaks and everything is ruined. And it's just, it's so frustrating. Um, and right now I'm, I'm feeling okay about it, but, uh, again, it, you know, I, I spent years in, in frustration and, and again, technical person here. And that's the thing is like, if you're not a technical yeah. person, it's just, it's, it's tear inducing. It's just so mm-hmm. painful to, uh, to troubleshoot a network.
1: Netgear actually at CES, they showed off their outdoor Wi Fi node. So <laughs> yeah. if you have a guest house or maybe you just really want to help people stream in the backyard, <laughs> now you can get a weather, pr- a weather resistant Wi Fi like
0: node. Like a tiki torch on top, and you can, you know, you can. It's uh, actually
1: pretty big. And you know what? That's a good idea, Jason.
0: Uh, just put it to you, the- yeah, we- yeah. Like how yeah. they, like they hide uh, cell phone antennas by making them yeah, look like Yeah, it should trees. come as like a
1: gargoyle or something, oh, like in a yeah. stone, you know, like a garden gnome like or it. something.
0: I like it. Or a birdhouse. There's your idea, Nick, Here, All right. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, can you have, have it. it. Take it. <laughs> It's a really good idea. Everybody take it. Uh, really, before we go, one last thing, which is about Apple making some news about uh, they are apparently repatriating all that cash that they've kept overseas because they were waiting for a, uh, like they said, they were waiting for a tax cut and there was a tax cut and they say they're bringing the money back and they they talked about they're increasing its in fund where, it, where it's investing in uh, American technology stuff. This is where they invested in the glass plant for, uh, for Gorilla Glass. They're increasing that to $5 billion. They gave employees... Uh, $2,500 bonus um, They said that they're going to create a new Campus in a new location that's going to At least initially be for phone support Like a lot of stuff going on And I read a couple bits of analysis About this where somebody said well This seems like it's a it's a uh, Targeted uh, message To make the current Administration feel Happy and uh, that was a Really nice way of saying my initial reaction Was did the press release start with Dear Donald because it feels a little bit like this is a very much a uh, republicans in congress and trump administration look we are going to do what we said we did which is invest in america since you you gave us a, a tax cut and brought the brought the money home what do you th- how do you feel about this this is like the other shoe dropping after the after the tax cut what do you think
2: yeah i think that makes a lot of sense that's kind of the first impression i got like oh this sounds like good news but wait What convinced them to get some of that uh, offshore money back over here? And it's like, oh, okay, yes. They are going to pay. Better tax rates It is
0: like a $38 billion windfall for the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. but it's less than it would have been if Apple had done it sooner, but they didn't do it because... They would have had to pay more, so it's sort of like this kind of like in between where Apple always said that it would bring the money back if there was a tax holiday, basically, and there no. is one, and they brought they apparently are bringing the money back. So you know, I guess they were true to their word, but um, I, I it, it's it's good news, I guess, that Apple is taking money that it made overseas and spending it in the United States. I think good news for uh, people in the U.S. I, I would think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <Okay>. Everybody agrees. <laughs> USA.
2: It, it's it's good. It's more like man. Uh, I we we tend to think of Apple as like this great progressive company too. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to remember, like their business, and if a uh, crappy right. you know administration does pro-business <laughs> things, they're gonna they're gonna go right along with it, and uh, you know reap the spoils while America burns.
0: I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, ouch, ouch. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I was gonna say it, uh, phrase it a little bit differently than that, but but uh, you know, my my thought is Apple's got all of these uh, social values that it talks about all the time, mm-hmm. and I do believe that at, at that level, they absolutely believe in those things and are striving for those things. Apple is also a giant business with a lot of money and shareholders and wants a business friendly climate. And so, um, you know, if Apple were a voter... Apple would be a very torn voter who does not agree with the current administration on social policy, but is really happy about the tax cuts because it is it's a business with shareholders and they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. So um, I, I, I think where you see that compromise is in something like this press release where apple is taking the uh kind of ruthless like we'll only bring the money back if you give us a tax cut Mm -hmm. and turning it into a but look good news we're investing in america with that money and every yay right like it's that's the they're trying to take it from the calculation it's just monetary calculation and turn it into oh but we're going to try to do something positive with it Um, why
1: can't that be a that should be a mandate if you want this (laughs) seriously if you want this giant tax cut if you want if, put your money where your mouth is essentially. If you want this giant tax cut in the United States, I mean obviously we need that money for taxes uh, but if you want this tax cut then you have to show us like, you know, give us a maybe five year plan of how you're going to reinvest that money in the US, how you're going to um, invest back in jobs how you're going to give jobs back to the public. Like, I think if this is the way that we have to get companies to to help us out, like let's just play their game a little bit if if it means that the end is common good for everybody, I don't know. Maybe that's me being too positive. Because <laughs> <laughs> the if the if what companies need is financial incentive, then let's do it. I think.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's the whole premise of it. Right? Was was uh, saying that if you can let us bring the money back, then we'll spend the money here. And yeah. it seems like yeah. they're 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 doing that. I mean, Apple is not um, going to apparently run some sort of a game show. Uh, a reality show to find out where they're going to put their next uh their, yes, their no next no HQ call center. trivia. <laughs> whereas, whereas Amazon is continuing to play HQ trivia, we should say that they released a list of 20 cities. They've cut it to, to just a list of finalists. And uh, uh, sorry, Stephen, Memphis won't be on that list.
3: Uh, fine uh-huh.
0: with me. I was just in Irvine, California. They're not on the list either now, so they can stop their half hearted attempts to do it. But there's still a bunch of cities on the list, 20 of them, mostly in the Midwest and East, which is, I think, logical because Seattle Mm -hmm. is in the Northwest. So maybe they want to not like also have a headquarters in portland or something right like they like give it some distance
2: like they're definitely spreading
0: out in certain ways give it some give it some distance so Mm -hmm. i think amazon's worried that the that the fedex people would would get to them (laughs) if they came to memphis Stephen, i think it's like (laughs) stay out that's our territory yeah All right. Well, before we go, I have one last thing. It is our fuzzy puppy update because we want to make everybody feel better after we just talked about tax policy and politics there for a moment. Uh, this is a, a little bit meta. It's a story that surfaced in December, but it was too good for Steven to pass up and pass on to me. If you've heard of Confuse a Cat, Monty Python fans, this is Distracted Dog, a, a cat named D-O-G. That is D-O-G right, dog, is Mm -hmm. helping trainers in St. Louis prepare service dogs to stay on task in the presence of other animals. Service dogs need to be focused on their job. DOG is an annoying cat with a silly name (laughs) that is trying to distract them. And so I love that this cat, this is how you train cats is you find out what a cat wants to do and then you let them do it. And you say, see what I did there? I trained that cat to be annoying to service dogs.
2: (laughs) Of course, it'll take a cat to really train service dogs, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why. This this proves the cats are better. Yeah. The
0: system works. The system <laughs> works. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, that brings us to the end of this episode of Download Flow Ion. Where can people find the stuff you do?
1: Uh, right now, I'm kind of all over. But for now, just just come follow me on Twitter at oh that flow uh, or visit my website florenceion.com
0: and listen to the material podcast on Relay FM
1: yes and all about Android on the Twit Network yeah
0: okay <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right too it's fine they, they, have, they have there's a show there too it's fine I'm on the Twit <laughs> Network every now Devendra where can people find the stuff you do
2: oh I'm on Twitter at, at Devendra uh, I read about tech and gadget and I also do the uh, slash film.com podcast so check that out for weekly movie and
0: TV reviews awesome uh, and that's it for the show Stephen Hackett thank you very much for making it all happen. You bet. And I've been your host, Jason Snell. Until next week, we will watch the headlines so you don't have to. Bye, everybody. Feel better, CES journalists.